0: And good afternoon to the rest of you. Good Good to see you all. And let's take our Bibles this afternoon. and As the Lord leads and in His will, we'll try and finish the book of Daniel today. (laughs) I suspect no one else believes that. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) With that, let's dive right in. Daniel chapter 12. We'll begin reading in verse 1 through the end of the chapter. Daniel chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. Such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And the one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? He said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth, and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. But go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest, and stand in thy lot at the end of the days." May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word, and let us just pause for prayer prior to the beginning of our study. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your blessings of grace, your mercy, particularly the gift of Jesus Christ, which made those things possible. Thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection. His life, as you even described for us in telling, he would be named Emmanuel, God with us. Father, these words that you gave to Daniel, particularly these last three chapters now, in the revelation that unfolded for us, for him, and literally will be even more valuable to those that are living in the tribulation, looking for truth, looking for your word. It has been sealed. It's been held firmly as truth. And Father, today we would ask that you would use your word. The Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and exclusively, Father, he would fill our hearts and our minds. We would pray for your blessing and guidance upon each one of us come out today. And those, Father, that were not able, we would ask that you would give them what they need for their challenges and struggles that they face. And, Father, give us safety through this week. We thank you for what you'll do again in praying these things in Christ's name, asking for the Spirit to guide and direct. Amen. Daniel chapter 12, it's been a long journey. Probably longer than I can even imagine for you all. But Daniel's been, uh, I think, this was our... Paul, is this our 22nd year? Twenty-second, yeah. Starting on the 22nd year that we've met here in this building. And uh, as far as I know, this is the third time that I've been able to help teach through the book of Daniel. And it's much like, as Daniel was written... Uh, You know, his first experiences were in 605 B.C. It's been a few years back. And thinking about the significance of even how relevant it is today, 605 B.C. And here we are in 2021, and we're not done. This revelation that we've just read today is the tribulation period, which hasn't begun. To think of the almost unimaginable accuracy that has been laid out for us and others. In fact, this will even be coming more play as... if you noticed it's more difficult to find truth today than it's ever been? You don't find other news. It's very hard to find and to literally to authenticate. And you can see a lot of stuff. There's a lot of spin. But really, once again, the only place to find truth is in God's Word. That will even become more imperative. Can you imagine the tribulation when literally the Holy Spirit... Being in the church, that is in people. If you've accepted Christ as Savior, literally the Holy Spirit lives within you. And there's coming a day. I don't, every, every generation has felt to look forward to it and to see it as being close. But I can tell you one thing we're a lot closer this Sunday than we were last Sunday. And when the Holy Spirit really literally leaves in the church, I cannot imagine how difficult it will be during that seven year period, particularly the last half of the great tribulation, which everything is unleashed in the sense, I, can't, I really can't even imagine, and the scripture has unfolded it in Revelation, even in Daniel here, it will not be a time that you would want to be a part of. And yet, uh, Daniel was looking forward to the ending of the 70 years of captivity, of which he lived through that. He was part of the beginning of it, and literally lasted through it, his lifespan would have been within that seventy years of the Babylonian captivity, and he thought that was the end. It would all get good. We would all go home. We'd make everything would be brand new. <laughs> and then the revelation from Daniel that God gave to him unfolded, and he said, "Oh, Daniel, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a lot of somethings. The seventy years literally is just the beginning. In fact, there's another four hundred and ninety years." Seventy weeks of years that literally will unfold, and then we are in between the 69th and the 70th week of years. There's one more remaining, one more week called the Great Tribulation. And the reason for all of that is, as God is working with the Jews, the significance of all of this time from 605 B.C. on has been literally for the Jews to get it right with God. (laughs) Now, that's a long time of discipline, is it not? But really, that's what it is. In fact, we read the verse, and you'll find it in another place. I, I, I'd like to read it again, and uh, we'll come back to it probably a couple of different times. But if you go to Daniel chapter 12, and in verse 9, he is literally telling, Go thy way, Daniel, for the lo- words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And watch verse 10. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. That's literally what the whole purpose of the This entire period of time is for them to return unto their God. See him as he was. See him as he is. Zechariah speaks of that as well. Well, today um, we are kind of have ourselves locked into the last part of this last revelation, which started in Daniel chapter 10. We looked at that several weeks ago, and what an amazing thing. Here's Daniel fasting and praying for 21 days. Um, I'll have to say very honestly, I have not fasted and prayed for 21 days straight. I've not done that. I can't imagine how focused Daniel would have been because it wasn't just a 21-day period. It was a 21-day period where the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread would have been part of it, and he went right through it. That's serious prayer time. And then we found afterwards that they, we peel back the veil of what's going on in the spiritual realm, the spiritual world, if you will. And literally upon the 21st day, the angel came to, to, to Daniel and said, God heard your prayer immediately, and I was sent to come to you and give you understanding. But I have been fighting with the prince of Persia, which is a demon, and very strong one. And after that period of time, finally, <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, I can't even imagine. I, and we're seeing just a glimpse of this spiritual warfare that's taking place. And I think we're at an all-time, well, I shouldn't say that, but we're at a heightened level right now as we look across our world. There is a demon of the United States. There is one. that There's a powers that are over the whole world. In fact, we saw this through this. In fact, he was looking to fight with the demon of Persia in literally a very short time. And Michael, now he's the angel of war. i, I have to call him the angel of war for the Jews. He, he's always in the middle of taking care of business in the sense of war. He came and bailed this guy out so that he could get to Daniel and tell him the vision. Oh. It's hard to keep up, isn't it? It's crazy. Well, it's chapter 10. Chapter 11, then, this all unfolds, and for us, it was, it was history, most of it. Um, to be able, for us to look backward and to see the accuracy that God told to Daniel, I mean, it was amazing pinpoint accuracies. There's several things. I think Well, maybe, it's a little bit out of my course of sequence that I had written down, but there's several things, and I, maybe we'll just open this up to you for a moment. Um, why do you think God is talking about future things. And and the scriptures got a lot of things talking about things that haven't happened to us, let alone from when the scriptures were written. In Daniel, a great deal of that whole book was about things that had not transpired. So what's the significance of God talking about things in the future? Now, first of all, I would say as we sitting here, uh, typically we have a curiosity, don't we? First, I mean, we, we want to know something we don't know. That's part of how we're made right uh, that's correct there's also the part of that reasoning is is that if we knew what was going to happen before anybody else did we could do really well right <laughs> positioning I'm thinking even from a worldly standpoint if we knew what was going to happen in the world we could make some pretty impressive stock trades or pretty impressive purchases or sale you follow what I'm saying a lot of numbers a lot of yeah there'd be a whole lot of things <laughs> if you knew things in advance right but now let me come back to let me, let me pose the question again why do you think God would use such intricate details, chapter eleven particularly see that 's the one chapter in the book of the Bible that, the, that what I would say the, um, the critics cannot handle because literally they said there 's no possible way that anyone could have written that beforehand without not being actually part of history and then wrote it after the fact. It makes Nostradamus look very weak, like a kindergarten child, when you consider what Daniel wrote before it happened. Now, to God, it was just history that hadn't been played out. That's what's really cool. So what would you say if someone asked you, why do you think God wrote so much about prophecy, about future things? How would you respond? Okay. So we could actually, that would actually tie in a couple of different ways. One is to authenticate his word. It makes it a lot stronger for me. I mean, I'm looking, now I'm on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ. Daniel would have wrote these prophecies. John would have wrote prophecies in Revelation when most of them have not come to be yet. But those that have, it's amazing how much clearer I am able to, and the confidence level it rises up in myself to see that if he could call that, he can call it all. So there's a sense of authenticating God's word. That's, that's certainly one of them. Uh, Another one, which Jerry's response would have been clear, is the fact that if this is true, if the word is authenticated, then it's a warning to those that are sinful or wicked. Because the word is all true, and it's all too clear, if you read the Bible, that's why it's out of, it's really not in groove, it's not in sync today, because it says we need a Savior. That's very out of, that's not vogue. I don't even know what word I could use today. It would probably be part of cancel culture because it doesn't speak of something that culture or society wants or needs. And yet we need it more than anything else. Anything else. Those are two particular, I think, significant reasons. What else could we say? Excuse me? Yeah, absolutely. It motivates us, doesn't it? It motivates, it actually regenerates us. If 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 I read the back of the book... And I do that sometimes. I had a day this week that I read the back of the book. Because I'm like, ah, right? And you've had days like that. It's good to just pull the book, open it up, and read the back of the book. Chapters 21 and 22 are particularly, they're encouraging, aren't they? And then to see that Jesus Christ, yes, he lived a life, 33 years. He was crucified. That's a downer. Think of the apostles. Walked with him for three years and all of a sudden there he is. He's hanging on a cross. And he's dead. And he said, it's finished. No, they said, we're finished. Because we're next. Right? I mean, let's be logical here. And then he's buried. And then he rose from the dead. (laughs) That's an upper, right? And to see literally, we're going to be talking about this in, in in a moment here, but literally that these moments like that, that we can look back historically and see those, those are gifts of hope and motivation for us today. That's, that's one of the real senses of God foretelling things that weren't, happened yet. Particularly in Daniel. You you can go all the way through. Even Genesis, going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, speaking of a coming Savior. And there's one more that I guess I'd like to say is the fact that it doesn't just happen. It reveals God's sovereignty. God is in control. God is fully and completely in control. There's times at which we would wonder a little bit, but there's no question. Because this fits perfectly in the narrative that has been laid out Before it happens. Again, history is his story. Whether it's happened or not, it's an unfolding of truth that he has before declared to be that way. That's pretty amazing. Now, the other thing that's really cool is that he allows us choices as we go along. Uh, What if he hadn't given Adam and Eve a choice? He just made him a robot and said, you will pay attention. You will listen to my commands. You will obey. (laughs) And you're all shaking your head. What would be wrong with that? Because God's full intention and purpose when he made mankind was what? To have them love him. And without the opportunity to choose wrong as well as right, you can't have love. Done really graciously and wonderfully, right? And he knew we would choose wrong. That's how good God is. Before the foundation of the world, he decided to do it through Jesus Christ. My goodness, now that's love. See, that's the thing. He loved us before we loved him. I'm going to go down another vein. We better keep moving if we're going to be in Daniel, aren't we? So let's go to Daniel chapter 12 now, and let's look at three categories of Jews. I'm going to, I am going to—I would say three categories of Jews that are spoken of in the first uh, three or four verses here. At that time, this would be the tribulation period, chapter 12. Shall Michael, that's Michael the archangel, stand up? the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. He's basically Israel's in angel. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since it was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. The first one that we would have as a sense of category is Rescued. Rescued Jews. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 30 for a moment. Just turn back in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 11. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet called a weeping prophet. He, he lived a life that was certainly challenging. He told the truth and paid a price for it. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 11. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations, whether I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of you. But I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. There's a sense there that literally that's what's going to happen in the tribulation is God is not going to let them get away with not getting it right. He's interested in completing what he started. He, they are still his chosen people. Go to Zechariah, head to the other side of Daniel, Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah chapter 13, and we'll look at verses 8 and 9. I think we may have been here in a previous uh, engagement in Daniel, but I want you to see something that it's, again, spoken of what's coming, uh, God's judgment of Israel and the purifying or the purging and what takes place in the sense of literally numbers. Uh, Zechariah chapter 13, we'll begin reading at verse 8. Zechariah 13, verse 8. It shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. But the third shall be left therein, and I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Now, literally, that's uh, the picture of the tribulation. Uh, Two-thirds of those that would identify or call themselves Jews will literally be killed or die in the tribulation. And that's part of the purging and others finding who are the real Jews. That's an interesting study in and of itself. It's, that's not to, up to us. That's up to God. And God will take care of it. Um, there are many that are under the cloak or under the, 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 shall we say, the sign of Jewry and really aren't. I could, But rather than go down that vein, I mean, it's, this is God's business. But literally, he says right there, two-thirds would die. And part of the purging, part of the rescuing, of, if you will, they would be saved. Now, look, in that vein... Those, that one third he will bring through the fire, the fire. And you remember, remember our verse we talked about. It's actually in eleven, chap, chapter eleven, verse forty. And the one we just read in chapter twelve. What's the purpose of the tribulation? To purify and to make white. That's what fire does, doesn't it? it cleanses it. It brings. The, it gets rid of the dross or the dross. And what did I tell you to turn? Romans. Romans, I didn't tell you. That's maybe what I didn't do. Romans chapter 11. I was I was waiting on me to get it done, right? Romans chapter 11 and verse 26. This is a picture, Romans 9 through 11, of God's continuing working with the Jews. And watch what he says in verse 26. And we are kind of diving in, if you will. Um, currently, they are kind of on the set-aside list, the church age, which... Started at Pentecost after Christ was taken up into heaven. We've been in that age of grace, and it will end at the rapture. Verse 26 says, And so all of Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, that's a, that's a verse, if you don't know, in Zechariah chapter 13, it's very troubling. In other words, uh, you don't find in the scripture where, where, where God saves a nation in its completion, He saves individuals. But it's very clear from Zechariah chapter 13 that one-third that are left that he takes to the fire, all of those will be rescued. All of those will be saved because God has done the cleansing, the purifying, the purging, if you will. And Romans chapter 11 verse 26 then makes very good sense. But not only do we have the sense of the category of Jews that are rescued, we also have the resurrection part of that. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 12. Let's look at verse two for a moment. And many of them that sleep, that is that have died in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. There's a whole lot of things going on in that verse that Daniel would not have known uh, its full extent, but literally let's talk about the resurrections. There are two parts. There's the just and the unjust. And the first part all right, now, the, the first phase of the first part, how's that? The, the just resurrection, those that would be on to everlasting life. Let's talk about that for a moment. There are three phases or three components. One is the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. He started it all. In fact, I'm here to say, if Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, I, for one, would not be among you today and calling this a service that I could get behind. It would, it would be just a joke because, literally, that's the power that breaks the sin and death, and all of the things that we can't do ourselves if we didn't have a resurrected Savior, it's pointless. Completely pointless. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for a moment, and let's watch this unfold. We'll go to 1 Corinthians. Did I say second? I meant 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll read verses 12 through 20. The importance of Christ being resurrected and what's described for us in the last verse. So let's start reading in verse 12 of chapter 15. Paul very succinctly lays this out for us, the significance of the resurrection. Verse 12, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, he started it. Why would you say that it couldn't be accomplished if he did? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. He's saying this a couple of times, just in case you missed it the first time or you were thinking about some other place you should be right now. He says it twice in a few verses. You are yet in your sin. Oh, that's even more painful. Did you see that? If Christ did not rise from the dead, you are still in your sins. Now are you seeing the significance of resurrection? Then they also which are fallen asleep, that is, to have died in Christ, are perished. Christ didn't rise. There's no hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable if he didn't rise from the dead. Now watch verse 20. But now... (laughs) Is Christ risen from the dead? And look, and become the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus Christ started it all. The first part is the the resurrection of the just. Jesus Christ is the first fruits. He's the reason that we can have hope that resurrection is even real. So let's go to the next phase, if you will, of the just resurrection. Let's go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is what we would call the resurrection of the church. And and praise God, you're part of it if you've trusted Christ as Savior. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll read verses 16 and 17. Now, Paul is is teaching the Thessalonians because they thought they'd missed it. <laughs> have, you, have you ever, have you ever, I remember this as a, I don't know why this is a pertinent because it's such a small detail, but it, but it kind of fervors up the same emotions within us. We were, uh, as we were growing up, there was a bus, and many of you probably went on a bus route, a rural bus route, and the bus came at, you know, usually exactly the same time every day. No one remembers this? This is too long ago. Okay. Now we get some, now people are, are coming around. And, and uh, our deal was, if, I, don't even, I don't remember what time it was. It was like 7.30 or something. And I remember on a couple of different occasions, and it was kind of our responsibility to get up. It was our deal, right? If you got up late and you didn't get breakfast, that's your fault, right? Mom always had it ready. Right. That's just the way it was. And once if it was really bad, you guys better get going. You know how moms are, right? They're kind of looking out for it. And, and have you ever had that where you woke up and you missed it? Yeah. <laughs> See, there's smiles out, and it does something to you, doesn't it? We missed it. I've done that on a couple of different occasions, not just the bus. I can think through my life and I cannot believe it. Right. And there's something, there's an emotion that really sets right about there, right? And it's churning and it's going. And what am I going to do now? Now, it wasn't too big a deal to literally miss the bus because somehow, somehow, your parents may take you <laughs> to town, or they may make you walk. You know, I don't know. Uh, but but you follow. But but this. Listen to this. This has just been kind of a, a humorous way of saying that the Thessalonians thought they had missed. The rapture. Now, there's been some that have actually made ploys, um, done some things very slyly, very, like, uh, what, what do they call those? Those practical jokes where they set it up. In fact, I think Dr. David Jeremiah spoke of one when he was in college that they had this one kid that, for whatever reason, was very interested in the rapture. So they set up the perfect situation and looked like he was left. (laughs) They had left the building, everything was empty, (laughs) and they have this huge explosion, right? And he, and he, and he, and I'm telling you, he thought he missed the rapture. (laughs) Okay, you're there too, aren't you? Yeah, and of course it was funny, but it wasn't funny. Can you imagine again? I want want you to get there. This is a serious thing when you felt something of that significance going to happen. And Paul is reaching out to the Thessalonians, he said, No, 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 no. This is what's going to happen. So let's let's let now we're, we're diving in. This would be a good one for you to read. Maybe even this afternoon after church service or through the week, get into Thessalonians chapter four and read it for yourself. But here we go. We're just going to go into verses 16 and 17. This is the resurrection of the church. First Thessalonians four, starting verse 16 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And that is comforting. That is absolutely comforting. Literally, now, there's a difference here. This is sometimes where we get, people will get mixed up on the second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture the rapture starts at is it happens at the beginning or before the tribulation the second coming is at the end of the tribulation that period of where is the difference between tribulation and the millennium okay now the difference is jesus christ come both times but in the rapture we meet him in the air and all of those that have passed away that are that have their spirits if you will their souls are in heaven Their bodies will meet them and they'll be resurrected, get the new change of body that will never die. And then we, if we would happen to be in that state, I'm voting for the rapture, by the way. If it's it's on a voting, I'm ready to go, right? Um, We would go and meet in the air having a resurrected body instantly in the twinkling of an eye. Just blink your eye that fast, just that fast, just that fast. And that's the resurrection of the church. Age. Okay, but there's one more part. This is the one that Daniel would have be part of, and we find that in uh, the Old Testament saints or the Tribulation saints. Now, from that point, as you can imagine, the Church Age would have begun at Pentecost, and it ends at the Rapture. All of those in that time frame, either living or had passed away, they will be resurrected. Okay, the ones that are again, we have two parts of resurrection. Keep this in mind. Very clear. The just are what we're talking about right now; those that have trusted Christ as Savior, those that are trusting Jesus Christ, His blood for their sin. Okay, that's what we're talking. This is part one. Part two is actually what we're going to be talking the unjust, the ones that had not trusted Christ. Okay, that's enough. We'll get to it in a moment. Now, the third phase of the just resurrection is the Old Testament saints, which would have been before the church. Okay, that's like everything in the Old Testament, and even until Pentecost started, and what period we would have left the tribulation period that would have happened after the rapture okay all of those then that would have been that are dead in those two time frames they will be raised at the end of the tribulation okay those are the three resurrections of the just now in the millennium you know you I'll get into that in a moment. We'll get into that in a moment. Transition from the tribulation to the millennium, we'll talk about that in a moment. But the tribulation time of those that were killed, I mean, again, it's going to be easy to get killed in the tribulation. You just have to do one thing don't listen to Antichrist, don't take the mark. Treat a Jew very nicely, you will die. The chances are really high, I should say. But there are many, many, actually... I don't have time to go to it, but there are many Gentiles. There are many Jews that actually literally are saved in the tribulation period. It will be one of the most difficult times... Well, it will be the most difficult time in the last three and a half years. I don't know how anyone could survive it even. And then all of the Old Testament saints, they will be raised at the same time at the end of the tribulation. Now, let's speak of the second phase. That is of the unjust, those that have not trusted Christ as Savior... Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. This would be the unsaved dead. Revelation chapter 20. And we'll look at verses 5 and 6. Now, what, we'll read 4 because it rolls us right into it. keeps our context. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Christ, for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's the, the part of the raising of the tribulation saints. Now, watch verse 5. But the rest... Of the dead, those would be the unjust, those that not trusted Christ, lived not again. There is no resurrection until when? The thousand years were finished, the end of the millennium. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That's what we just talked about, the three phases of the just. On such that second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. Watch verse 7. When the thousand years are expired, this is the millennium, Satan shall... Where was Satan at, by the way? What do you mean? Why was he loosed? It says he shall be loosed. I would really like to have him tied up right now, actually, if I had my way. But something happened at the beginning. At the end of the tribulation, the false prophet and the Antichrist are literally taken alive and put as the first two occupants of hell. The everlasting, like, that's truly hell. Okay? Then begins the millennium. And the millennium is a thousand years. And guess what happens to Satan right out of the box? An angel comes. And puts him into, I don't know what a bottomless pit is, but it sounds like a great place for him. And he chains it. And for a thousand years, he's locked up. Now, that's the, that's the context. Let's keep reading. And shall go, he said, after the thousand years expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Verse 8. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them together to battle. And the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up unto the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now, again, this this to me is the very last claim of what I'm going to say. If I would have only grown up in a better environment, if I had not been on the other side of the tracks, if I had been brought up in a Christian home, if I would have had different parents, if I would have had a different friends, if I would all of that. All of those excuses really, literally, are taken away right here because you're talking about having lived in a thousand-year period where Jesus Christ is ruler and reigner and a theocracy that he's fully and completely in control. And at the end of a thousand years, this is hard to imagine, isn't it? How many of you have lived for a thousand years? Now, some of you may think it feels like it, but literally, it's not, that's a long time isn't it? And, and there's, there's no Democrats. There's no Republicans. There's no Independents, There's no, do you get it? This is cool. This is God literally ruling and reigning the earth. And Satan is released for a very short time. It says, I'm convinced it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long for the heart is desperately wicked. Jeremiah said, who can know it? And at that point, when, when Satan is released, poof, there are millions of people that follow after him. And it's over as quick as it started. Satan is finally. Keep that in mind. How many are there at the end of the millennium? Just three. There's no one else in the lake of fire. Keep reading. And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose faith the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book, books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell, and that should be Hades, delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Why? Why would they be judged according to their works? Do you want to be judged by according to your works? No. No. Zero. <laughs> absolutely. Because if you're judged by your works, you're doomed. And this great white throne judgment, you don't want to RSVP there. You want to stay away from that boy. But you know what the you know what the acceptance rate is into heaven if you're at the great white throne judgment? Zero. Not a chance because you're there because you've refused to accept the blood of Jesus Christ to do the work. He did the work. You have to receive the work. That's called grace by faith, which he literally gives to you as well. Ephesians 2, 8, 2, 8 9 but you're there at the great right throne judgment me because you said you could do it. I can do it all by myself. I don't need a savior. That's how you get to that one. You don't want to be there. So you're going to be judged according to your works. Let's watch. This would be all of those from... The, and you say, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. How about those that were born in the Old Testament like, like Abraham's time they didn't know Jesus. But how did Abraham view God? Let's, let's for just a moment, I should finish this, but you're going to bring me back, aren't you? If I tell you to? Okay. I want to go to, uh, let's go to Hebrews for a moment. I'm, it's not in my notes, but I think it would be helpful. Just keep your finger right in Revelation because I want you to bring me back. And let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 And let's look at verse 8. Cuz the same concepts are in place as they are for us. Now we we are, I think we're I think we're deeply deeply privileged by being on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ. History has treated us very well. The scriptures talked about Jesus coming. He came, he lived, He died. He rose again. I think that's fantastic. Abraham didn't know that. He trusted God on a different level. Look at verse 8. By faith. By faith. What is faith? Verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, for evidence of things not seen. And you say, whoop-dee-doo. Verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's a problem. (laughs) That's a big problem. So, Abraham, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. Now, that's, that verse is so true. God comes to him, and he was living in, uh, what was that place? Ur Ur of the Chaldees. It would be kind of in the Babylon Babylon era area, right? And all of a sudden, God appears to Abraham, and I don't know why, he just did. That was, God said, that. that's my choice, that's my guy. And he says, I'll tell you what, here's the deal. I want you to take off and go. He didn't get a map, didn't get directions, didn't get travel schedules, didn't get? Are you getting it? He didn't get nothing except go, kick off, go. That was about a 900-mile trip. Yeah, exactly. Tony said, wow, that is a long ways, especially by that kind of travel. What did he do? He obeyed. Every single one of the Old Testament saints that God revealed himself to, and even, now think of this, think of this for a second. Now you say, well, the Jews had an advantage. How about Rahab? She believed. She believed. And I could go on. God made sure that they had plenty of opportunity. Look, at, look, think in the flood. Even in the flood, right? How long did Noah make his ark? Longer than Mrs. Noah wanted him to have it in the front yard. It was a long, it was 120 years. What is God doing? He's giving every possible opportunity for them to be saved. First Peter chapter 3, he talks about, and he would that all would come to repentance. That's God's plan. That's what he wants. He wants everybody to come to repentance. He gives ample opportunities. But those that didn't see Jesus have to come the same way by faith. They must trust God. And remember when God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to give you descendants as the stars of the sky, sands of the sea. And what a day. He he believed God. That's the difference. Those, all of those, will be at this same resurrection of unjust that trusted or did not trust in God. Now, where are we going to? Back to Revelation. Let's finish. Verse 15, let's read verse 14. We read it, but let's do it again. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The way you keep yourself written in the book of life is to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, let's go back to Daniel. Keeping what we just read, and let's read verse 2. It makes perfect sense. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, those that have died, some to everlasting life, the resurrection of the just, some to shame and everlasting contempt, the resurrection of the unjust. That's exactly as the rest of the scriptures define it for us. So we have, and we've been been wandering on here. I said there were three categories of Jews. The first ones are rescued. rescued. We have the rescued ones, and then we have the resurrected ones, and you say, well, wait a minute. Is that different? Yes, it is. Very different. Think of the rescued ones. What period of time are they in? They're in the tribulation. Okay? Now, to be rescued, you would have made it through, and how many of the Jews? One-third. I can't do the one-third. Okay? They made it through the resurrection. Guess what? They don't die. They go into the millennium. They're rescued. The resurrected ones would be all of those that would have died in whatever age or whatever era. Just and unjust. Now, there's one more left. And you're saying, oh, who's left? Well, there's one that we would like to say, there's a category of Jews that would be rewarded. Let's look at that in verse verse 3. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn, turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever during that tribulation time, there will be those of the teachers of righteousness and evangelists, uh, as you 're probably thinking if you go through the book of revelation, there was from each tribe there was a, an allotted number, and we called those the yeah, they truly are Jehovah's Witnesses according to the book of Revelation. There's 12,000 out of each tribe, 144,000, and their job, literally, is to canvas the earth and tell people that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. And they'll do it fantastically. There's rewards given for them. In fact, they will actually shine as stars in the sky. Three categories of Jews we have rescued, resurrected, resurrected and Rewarded. The three R's. Now, you know the really cool part when we're done with this today? If we get that far, there's three R's for us as well. The Jews have three R's and so do we. Well, let's keep going. We talked about uh, that. Let's go to verse 4. This is the end, if you will, and watch it start to package together. It says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, verse 4, chapter 12, and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Even to the time of the end. In other words, the contents shall be sealed. It's like, it's like, have you seen at the end of of a movie or anything? uh, How do do you know it's done? How do you know that it's done? The end. In case we can't figure it out. And the plot has been thickening. And it's like, you can't stop there. Yes, they can if they put the end. (laughs) Because they've done it. Right? I've said, have you ever done that? What? (laughs) That doesn't even make any sense. Okay? He's telling Daniel... The end. <laughs> I've said it. It's finished. That's the deal. Seal it up. Make sure it's secure. Make sure that literally this is something that will come out and make a significant difference, particularly during the time of the Antichrist, in the sense of preservation and securing it. Let's look at that, the till the time of the end, which would be indicative indicative of this tribulation, go back to chapter 11 of Daniel and see the same thing as he spoke it in verse 35. This is a key verse in the chapter 11. Watch how similar it is to verse 10 of chapter 12, verse 35, chapter 11. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end. Because as is yet for a time appointed, the time of the end. That would be even the time that this, I think this book, I would say this, I think I might have said it earlier today. This is the third time in this uh, setting, in this church that I've taught through Daniel with the help of God. This is the most vibrant, the most visual that we've ever done, because why? Because more time is unfolded and unpacked. You can see things rolling along rather quickly, actually. We are at the end of the times, particularly as we go further. But it's even going to be more vivid when the tribulation period is upon the Jews. They will look for truth. They will look to Daniel. There it is. That's exactly what's going on. See what I'm saying? In Revelation will never make more sense than in the tribulation. There are things today, actually, even in the last part of Daniel. I, I'm not sure. I don't have any idea, but it's going to make perfect sense probably in the tribulation. Okay, now the contents are sealed. Let's go to verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked. It's like he almost, you know, you just, he. he oh, it's finished, i got to seal it. And he's like, it's almost like you look away or you look down and you look up and boom, there's two angels right in front of you. Now what river is he beside? Let's go back to chapter 10 and we'll answer the question. Daniel chapter 10, this is where he first got this and let's look at unfold. Daniel chapter 10 and let's look at verse 4. In the four, are you there? Daniel 10, verse 4. In the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hadekel. Now that's, we found that's another name for the Tigris River. He's still in the same place. He's still parked right there through this 10, 11, and 12. is all one revelation. And he looks up and look, boom, there's two angels, one on each side of the river, the Tigris River. What's this about, right? It even gets more interesting. You know what? Have you ever thought about angels wanting to know what's in the future? These guys, either they really want to know or they're setting it up for Daniel. I actually think they're very curious. They're very inquisitive. They've tried to look into salvation. Why is God doing that to them? Why does he let them have another chance? Why did Jesus die for them? Jesus didn't die for the angels. They got one shot. Do you see how blessed we really are? What if you had just one one chance? How many people would have turned their back on Jesus Christ the first time they heard that Jesus Christ is your Savior? He has died. He has rose again. His blood will cover you for your sins, and you need to accept him by faith. No, I don't think so. That's it. That's what the, the, the angels got one shot, and they're looking into so. I don't get that. Watch what they ask. This is really cool. So here we go. We're in chapter 12 again. Let's go back to chapter 12. And verse 6, now we've got one on each side of the river Tigris, and the one, verse 6, said to the man clothed in linen. Oh, we got a third one, which was upon the waters of the river. How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Now, where did we find the man of the of the linen? That was back in chapter 10 too. Who did we just find out that that was? That was Jesus Christ incarnate. That would be a theophany. He's showing up the same. I can't do it today because I don't have time, but the pictures and the descriptions of him in chapter 10 of Daniel are very similar to those that describe Jesus Christ in the same clothing, the same vestige, as we find in Revelation, and he calls himself Jesus Christ, There, the Lamb of God. So this is two, picture it in your mind, there's two angels on either side of the Tigris River, and the one says to him in the linen that's above the river. So that, you got it? You, I can't draw, I'm, I cannot draw anything, okay? But you got a river, you got an angel on each side. One of the angels says to someone else that's on the top of the river, just there, That, I believe, was a theophany. He's asking Jesus Christ this question. Watch this. How long till the end of these wonders? Now, again, I I can feel very, very sympathetic towards angels because we know this one had just been doing battle for 21 days against the prince of Persia fighting a spiritual warfare. What do you think when he found the answer Oh, this is just the beginning. Do you think they get tired? I mean, I I don't have an answer. I'm just saying they keep on the battle. They just never give up. They're always there. How do we do when we get tired? Sometimes we walk away. Sometimes we give up. Sometimes we, right? Those angels are fighting the spiritual warfare. And he says, how long is this going to go on? Now watch, he describes it. The man in linen, which I believe is the theophany of Jesus Christ. And I heard the man clothed in linen, verse 7, which was upon the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, unto heaven, I'm sorry, and swear by him that liveth forever. Who would that be by? By God himself. The second person of the Trinity, literally both hands in the air, would swear by the highest name, the most immortal being possible, and that would be God himself. He's saying, on the very life, the very. Aren't half of the tribulation, the first three and a half years, actually probably won't be too bad. The Antichrist is going to be a real fakery. He's a real, he's a jerk in disguise. And he makes a peace treaty. It tells us in chapter 9 and verse 27, he makes a peace treaty with Israel. And he says, oh, you can trust me. In fact, what I'm going to do for you right now, I'm going to allow you to build your temple. Why Why don't the Jews build their temple? One of the greatest desires they have right now in Israel right now is to have a temple. They haven't had one since 70 A.D. When the Romans destroyed it, it's gone. There's never been one since. Why do they want a temple? They want to go back to the sacrificial system because they don't have a Messiah. They've not seen a Messiah. The very small remnant, shall we say, are those that are chosen, those that are even purged or purified at this point. There always has been a remnant. Those are the ones that see Jesus Christ as Messiah. I don't know what the percentage is. It's extremely small. The rest of them want to go back to what they knew from the Old Testament. See, they don't believe the New Testament has anything to do with them. Nothing at all. Jesus Christ was... I mean, there's not a word bad enough, right? He's a total fake, a total fraud. They want to go back to the sacrificial system. And guess what? They have all of the materials. I shouldn't say all of them. Most of them are actually piled up, ready to go. They just can't build it because it's being occupied by someone else. It's a perfect thing for the Antichrist to come in and say, Oh, I'm on your side. As he comes out of that Western, or what I would call Europe, that European re- region, he will literally look like he is their answer, Jews, their answer to peace, security, and fulfillment of all the things they've lacked in going forward. They will build that temple, I'm convinced of it, because it tells us that in the midpoint of the tribulation period that that Antichrist will cause a desecration, just like, and I've erased his name, but Antiochus Epiphanes. Prior to, uh, and that was like 165 B.C., he's the closest we know to Antichrist because he went in and desecrated the temple, put a sow on the... T- now, you talk about not getting along pigs and jews not going to work out he desecrated it completely the antichrist will do something even worse he will put a picture uh, 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 a statue now Epiphanes put the statue of zeus within the temple of the jews oh no 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 not the antichrist he's going to have a statue of himself and he's going to want all those jews to literally fall down and worship him Couldn't make it any worse. That's happening in midpoint in the the tribulation period. But those first three and a half years, it's not too bad. The last three and a half, everything is unleashed against the Jews. Again, this is a prophecy about the Jews particularly. And the last three and a half, not only has Antichrist come unglued, he throws everything at everybody that he can possibly think of, but God is also in judgment mode. This period of time is so unbelievable. I cannot describe for you adequately. And this man in linen, which I believe is a, a theophany, a pre-incarnate Christ, is literally saying for three and a half years will be the end. That's how long this tribulation period will last. The real great tribulation. Okay, let's keep going. You guys need to take, have me take a break or shall we keep moving? Tell me about this. Let's, let's do this right now because this is going to come in handy in just a moment. Did somebody say just quit? That's probably what you meant. Let's just, let's just stop. Enough already. Should we take a vote? No, we're not going to take a vote. Okay, so we have three and a half years. Tell me how many months that would be because we've seen this in other places because this is going to come in handy in a moment. Excuse me? 42 months, okay? Now, those of you that are really quick in your mind or have a little calculator, convert that to days for me. Now, again, I'll, I'll help you. A Jewish month is 30 days. It's a 360-day year, Okay? So, given that, so we have three and a half years, 42 months, how many days would that be then? It would be 1,260 days. Okay. Did I, I got it right, didn't I? Okay, very good. I, I hear laughter. It's usually like nobody's letting me know that I just did something wrong. Okay. Exactly. Exactly right. That's exactly right. That's some things that really are a little confusing. We're going to go from contents being sealed. We're going to go to the next part of this, which literally we've been talking about, and that is the sense of the timing, the chronology, if you will. God, in the second person, Jesus Christ, has given a time frame. He said for three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days. That's that's all equal. I'm doing that on purpose because let's watch what he does next. We get to the point of, oh, wait a minute. There's one really important part here. When is this going to happen was the question. How long is it going to last? And he says for three and a half years. Now watch the purpose. I'm going to read verse 7 again. Watch the last part of this. I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times and a half. And when he shall have accomplished, this is the Antichrist, to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. In other words, when there is absolutely not one shred of strength left in the Jews is when this is going to end. Because then they will, in Zechariah chapter 12, if you write that down in your notes quickly, Zechariah chapter 12. That that is when, at the end of the tribulation, they literally see Jesus Christ, who arrives at exactly the right time. He's landing on the Mount of Olives, and he lands, and they see him, Jesus Christ, as their Messiah. And the only way they could get there is for the Antichrist to literally take away every last shred of power or strength that they could possibly depend upon. That's a lot of times how it is for us, isn't it? For you, Some of you have come to Jesus Christ because there's, there's nowhere but up. There's a lot of testimonies that way. There's nothing left. The Jews, it will be literally, I'm I'm going to say 2,600 years of nothing left. And it's beyond that because I don't know when it ends. Do you see the significance of this? That's how long it'll last. But now let's keep going. This is when it gets interesting. And I heard, and this is Daniel, I heard, verse 8, I understood not. How are you doing? Do you understand not? There's a lot of I don't understand, right? Daniel said, wait a minute, God, I I don't get this. I don't get this. And I said, oh, my my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Now, he's asking a little bit different question. It's not just the time frame. He's asking, how severe is this going to get? I mean, I've watched 70 years of this. This It's been pretty difficult. And so he's asking, how severe is this going to get? Do you see what he's saying? That's a good question. Watch what, God, watch what Jesus answered. This, this seems almost kind of abrupt. Watch. He, how, how do I know? This is going to be, wow, I can't understand this. Verse 10, and he said, who's he? He's the guy in linen above the river. He says, go thy way, Daniel, for the words you closed up and sealed till the time of the end. In other words, you've heard enough. <laughs> you've, you've got as much as you need. I want you to seal that up. I want the contents to be preserved because there's people down the trail that will understand this. You don't need to. You've received what you need. You have been tuned into me to get this that will serve its fullest purpose at the very end till the end comes. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? I said, wow, that's a sometimes if you ever ask God for something and he didn't really tell you right away, it might have been for your good. Daniel was at the end, he probably couldn't have handled anymore, quite honestly. He didn't know enough to understand anymore. Verse 10, he does go on and he says this. There's a cleansing here. This cleansing is a result of all of this. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. Now, do you remember in Romans chapter 11, verse 26? We went there and it says, All of Israel will be saved. All of those that are purified. All of the one third, we read in Zechariah chapter 13, remember that? All of those that literally are real Jews, all of those that are written in the book of life, all of those, those are many that are purified, made right, and tried. That's what he's speaking here. Let's keep going. What verse were we in? Verse 10. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. That's a very strong point right there. Um, There's only one way, literally, and that's for the Holy Spirit to be working in us. To convict us of needing a Savior. To show us our sinfulness. Did you see that? There's people today, and I don't—I have no idea who they are, but the, the, the wickedness is so entrenched and they've denied Christ so much that they can't stop. They can't stop doing that. And God fully, and again, I want to be very careful. He is so patient. That's not the right word. Patient is the wrong word. Because patience is like, it's being tried. God has never tried, but he is long-suffering. He's long-suffering. That's the word that's used in 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. That's the key word. That's a really strong word. And he wants everybody to be saved. But if you think of the Pharaoh. I think the Pharaoh is one of the strongest points. Here you've got this Pharaoh, right? And the Jews are under, under his, in captivity. And for years and years, not years and years, for, well, they were slaves for a long time. And all of a sudden, here comes Moses back. Got a deal for you. God came to me, Pharaoh, and our people need to go. Who are you? I'm the Pharaoh, right? No, he says, we need to go out and worship. That's our, we, our people need to go and worship. No, you don't, because I said so. And did you see, if you read through it, again, you can go to Exodus and read this for yourself. The first few plagues, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And I don't know if it's plague five or six. I should review it myself. I'll do it. That's my homework. Somewhere around the middle, all of a sudden it says is that God hardened his heart. He crossed a line. I don't know how you get there, but I don't want to cross that line. I don't want to say, God. I don't want to say no to God long enough until really literally, my heart is so hard that I missed it. That's what that verse really is saying. The wicked will continue to do wicked. Wow, that's strong. That's very strong. Did we read verse uh, chapter? Th- yeah, we did. We've already done that. That's cool. And he says a few more details. Verse 11 From the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up. Now, stop. When does that happen? The middle of the tribulation. Okay? So we've just heard the man in linen say, from the middle of the tribulation, which God declares in Revelation, this is the great tribulation, the last three and a half years, he says this, There shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. What are we going to do now? Well, praise God, amen. I don't know either. But what's the next event that's on the schedule after the tribulation, after Jesus Christ takes over? The Antichrist, the false prophet, are thrown into Lake of Fire. What's on the agenda next? What's the very next phase that takes place at the very end of the tribulation? Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. I'm already going to give a disclaimer. I don't think anyone knows, but I can just say that this is the next thing that takes place at the very end of the tribulation. Matthew chapter 25. Let's read verses 31. We'll start in there. This is what would be called the the judging of the... goats and the sheep. Verse 31, Matthew chapter 25, when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat; I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. Then shall the righteous who are on the right answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed thee, or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and took you in, or naked and clothed thee? When did we see you sick or in prison, we came unto you? The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren... You have done it unto me. Now, let's think of this again. We spoke of it a little bit earlier. (laughs) Who is the Antichrist taking his full brunt of vengeance on in the tribulation? The Jews. The Jews. Jews. What would be the worst or the stupidest thing you could do if you wanted to live life in the tribulation? Would be to harbor, take care of, visit, clothe, feed a... Jew. In fact, it will be, most of the population will totally shun them. Totally shun them. Jesus is saying, by the very fact of how you responded to a Jew, is how I felt you treated me. Never did that before. And what happens to those that are on the right? Those that are sheep? They go into the millennium. See, they've never died. They go into the millennium, they actually have children. Those, as a result of the end of a thousand years, those that are heirs of those that enter in as the sheep, they have children at the very end. Many of those will be deceived. Because if you're born in the millennium, you have to really be tested, shall we say, or to receive Jesus Christ, who is your reigner. He's your king, your ruler. And we've read all about that. But these are the ones that literally rescued. This is the rescued group. Now, the other side of it is the ones that are the goats. They're on the left. I'm going to save you the time, but he describes for them, depart from me into everlasting punishment. Why? Because you didn't clothe me, because you didn't feed me, because you didn't. You did all of those things against my brethren, the Jews. You acted just according to how the Antichrist would have wanted you to do that. Now, I'm here to say, could it be that that judgment... Could take 30 days. That's my guess. (laughs) Okay? Because that's where it happens is right there. Now, it even gets more interesting because let's watch what else is happening here. Verse 12. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,335 days. (laughs) This sounds complicated. So now we've got to put 1,335, right? Okay. So what are we going to subtract from it? We're going to subtract the 1,260. And we have 75 days, but we've used up 30 days. So we have 45 days that are, we don't know what they're doing. Now what's the next phase? Could it be? I'm, I'm, again, I'm, this is, th- my disclaimer is, is this is not, I don't know. Anybody that says they dogmatically know this? <laughs> Maybe not so much because, you know what, this is going to make sense after the fact. Those 45 days, but you think about this, all of the infrastructure about the millennium that's going to take place, you will be there. If you've trusted Christ, you will be there. You will be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. Talks about in Revelation. You've got duties. You've got responsibilities. You're going to be engaged. I mean, it's going to be an awesome. And by the way, you have a resurrected body, which means you come and go. Yeah, yes, right? <laughs> got that bionic knee going by. You know, all of that stuff that this, you should have taken better care of yourself, fixed forever, eternally. You're going to be here. Again, could that 40, and it's, but now what, what's the extra 45 days? Mark this. This, this is important. It says what? Blessed is he that waiteth. Blessed is he that is part of this additional 45 days. That's why I think it's in the millennium. You're going to enjoy the millennium because that's where you ultimately, that's a blessing. 45 days, I can only guess that it would be another additional time to be able to get everything in place. I don't know anything else. That just fits the timeline of everything laid out in scripture. Okay. Right? How are you guys doing? It's too much. But this is what I want to close with because this is really important. And and Jerry, my apologies. I really wanted to talk about Ezekiel 38 and 39 today. I think I have people so full right now. We're going to do that next week. We're going to make it, we're, going to, we're going to come back to that. But let's let's talk about. For instance, this is what I want to. Re, this is what I want to come back to you guys with. Is what verse 13 is Daniel's commendation. This is the man in linen. He's still speaking. And he says in verse 13 to Daniel, But go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. The first thing, go thy way. What does that mean? What does that mean? In other words, here we are. We've just went through a book of prophecy in Daniel. It was written a long time ago, and it's still going. What are we supposed to do? Have you heard of the Millerites? You ever heard of those? You really haven't? Okay. The Millerites are ones that like to set dates for rapture. Okay? And they literally took it very, very serious. I mean, they would set a date, they'd figured out, and this guy's name was Miller. So if you followed a Miller, you were a Millerite. Okay? How'd you get that? Okay. And he set dates, and they would actually resign from work. They would, some of them even, are you ready, ready for this? is true. They would put on white garments, and they would sit on the roof of a house on the day that was appointed that they had figured out the rapture. Now, the only thing I'm positive of is if you set the date of the rapture, it will not be that day. That's the only thing I'm positive about, right? Okay. So, So now, is that the right way to approach it? No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, let's read it one more time, just exactly as God would have given this, Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate Christ, man and linen. But go thy way. Do you remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 13? Maybe just jot that down. You can view it on yourself. Luke 19, 13 said, Occupy till I come. Just keep on living life, doing God's will, being tuned into what I, God, want you to be doing. Keep on with the journey. Don't stop. Don't sway. Prophecy is the sense of giving us, I think some of you even said this today, of giving us hope and encouragement and steadfastness because it authenticates the fact of what God is really doing and he is going to get it done. In the meantime, we don't stop. We just keep going. That's what Daniel did. He's 90 years old here and God said, keep marching on. What is that? That's called responsibility. We need that today, don't we? I'm kind of tired of hearing the entitlement thing, right? It's just everywhere. It's all over the world. It's not just the United States. It's everywhere. We are responsible. We are accountable to who? God. To God. Responsibility. Let's be responsible. That's our first R. I'm going to write these R's down because these are good for us. And you're saying, how long are you going to go on? I've only got two left. (laughs) We've heard that before, right? Responsibility. How long Till you, til you retire? Til you yeah, that's right. the end till the end be. That was that, that'd be the end of Daniel. in other words, you go and go and go until you're dead. because you know, I can't find retirement in the Bible, I, I'm afraid to tell you that because there's people that are living for retirement. There's a lot of people that are living, working a job that they hate. They go to work because they get paid. And they want to get paid so they can do things. But in the meantime, to get the payment to do the things they want to do, they hate what they do. Why would you want to do that? Pray that God gives you the place that he can exercise and and just accelerate your passion. God is behind passion. You have a passion for your work, thank God. If you don't have passion for your work, find the place God wants you to have passion. I'm serious. God wants you to have passion in what you do. If you hate your work, quit that job and go get something. Well, what if I... God can take care of that. He can take care of the sparrows. Be responsible. Be responsible to keep on going. Be responsible to occupy. In fact, let's go to um, 2 Peter for a moment. 2 Peter. This is an interesting thing, I think. 2 Peter. This will actually fit. We've been talking about it all day and we never went there. 2 Peter chapter 3 we're going to read the whole passage and i want you to see something just considering it's almost the same idea that peter has that that has been given to daniel now you could start in chapter 3 verse 1 but we're going to start in verses 8 and move on second peter chapter 3 verse 8 but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. God is timeless. He created time. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. There's some serious stuff going on there. Verse 11 Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, here's the question What manner of persons ought you to be? <laughs> if everything's melting around you and everything is completely wild, what do we do? He, he answers it in holy conversation and godliness. That's exactly what Dan is about. Be responsible, look to do God's will. Look to do God's will. Let's go back to Daniel. Let's start closing up. Not only are you to be responsible, Daniel, but I have a promise. A promise of resurrection. But go thou thy way till the end be, until you pass away, for thou shalt rest and stand. That word stand would give indication that one day Daniel would have a resurrected body. He's going to live forever if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you entered into eternal life the day, the moment, the second that you issued that faith in Jesus Christ, and you have a resurrection waiting for you. And not even one amen? <laughs> resurrection. He's promised him not only the opportunity to be responsible, but to stand, to be resurrected. And the last R is reward. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot. If you were to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, you'd find the word inheritance there, and it's exactly the same thought process of lot. Your inheritance is eternal life at the end of the days. And remember, where was the end of the days? When, was, when, when is Daniel going to be resurrected? Oh, this is a good little pop test, isn't it? Okay. Okay, so we have... Oh, th- this, this is good. We're going we're gonna to work our way through. You cannot leave this building until we get the right answers. Oh, look at the pressure, sweating now. What's that? He won't be there until the end. That's exactly right. That's, That's exactly right. It would be the very end. So we talked about the aspect of resurrection. This is a key component of chapter 12 of Daniel. We have two parts. We have the just and the unjust. The difference being those that trusted God or trusted Jesus Christ depending on which side of the cross you're on. Now, of the just resurrection, there are three phases. The first one was Jesus Christ. He's the firstfruits. He's the reason that the rest of it could actually happen. Secondly was the resurrection of the church, church which we found in First Thessalonians chapter 4. The third one was the one that Rhonda just exactly led us to because Daniel would have been an Old Testament saint. The Old Testament saints and the Tribulation saints are raised in... At, I should have said at, the end of the tribulation, okay? Now, the unjust resurrection, that is, as Daniel said, to everlasting contempt will be at the end of the millennium. I was worried. I want you to be able to leave. (laughs) I want (laughs) you to leave. (laughs) At the end of the millennium. That takes in all of the things because literally, literally now, Well, there's still life going on at the end of the millennium. Guess what happens? At the end of the millennium, when Satan deceives him, he goes straight to the lake of fire, and so does everyone else at that point that followed after him. There is no judgment. They're judged like that. It's over. And at that point, then we enter into literally the eternal phase of life. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. That would be a great place for you guys to read this week. That's literally the end of the end. All of this stuff has been to do with the Jews at the end of the tribulation. They get it right. At the end of the millennium, all excuses are gone. And then you, if you've trusted Christ, will literally be in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. That's all you guys can take, right? Yep, I saw some heads nod. Any questions? Okay. There are two. Fa- let me just write. Let me just write this down a second. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this since I did a really bad job. i have responsibility. You guys are gonna fill me in. There's the three R's for us. Just as God said to David. All right, David. To Daniel. You've got all you need. I want you to seal it up and get it ready for the end of the times. And in the meantime, now I want you to be responsible. I want you to think about the resurrection. I don't even know if I spelled that right, but you'll. Perfect. That's, I've got it right. And what did he say? You'll also be rewarded, right? Those are the three R's. If you're a Christian, if you're trusted Christ as Savior, I'm going to tell you something right now. Those R's are for you as well. But in the meantime, be responsible. How can we be more responsible? How can we be more like Daniel? Let's describe Daniel for just a moment. I'm going to answer your question, I promise. Tell me, tell me quickly. Let's describe Daniel. Let's just throw some adjectives out there. Let's, I want you to tell me about Daniel. You've read through 12 chapters of his world shall we say and it started 90 years you saw his whole life tell me about him let's throw some words out there he was faithful, faithful. Focused. focused absolutely remember him as a young teenager obedient obedient prayerful, prayerful. Oh. <laughs> i cannot argue he was old how did he get old yeah. by doing the right things <laughs> Okay, uh, that, that one's tricky. Okay, I'm a, I'm a, but I can't, can't deny it. What else? Consistent. Consistent. That guy never wavered, did he? From a teenager to 90, you know, they threw him in a... In a he was probably in his mid-80s when he got thrown into the dental lions. He didn't miss it. Didn't miss a lick. Consistent as could be. What else? Steadfast. Steadfast, absolutely. Boom, right there. What else? I'm, I'm going to wait until we... There's one that starts with an I that I really want. I really want it because this defines... If we say this word... Now I'm going to have probably more eyes than I could think. Integrity. The man was a man of integrity. In the dark, in the light, he was the same. He was a man of God. And he showed it all the time. I remember how he got into the den of lions. There's no fakery, no fraud, no defaulting, no getting around bushes. He just literally just lighted on the line. No fear, absolutely. That's a key one. Now, if there's no fear, what do we know is taking place? We've said this numerous times in this place. If you have fear, you have no faith. faith. If you have faith, you have no fear. Faith will displace fear, and fear will displace faith. That's an absolute that's the way it is. Now, now we could we could go on, we could talk about more stuff than Daniel was, but I've started you on that pathway. Now I want to know why. I want to know why. Why was Daniel faithful? Why was he consistent? Why was he steadfast? Why, was, why did these things, what made him be that way? Because it's going to be the same answer that it is for us today here. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What were the things that really literally made him like that? He trusted God. And what do you do if you trust God? Obey. I'm, I'm going to keep fishing not quite where i love want and passion. excuse me love and, passion. love and passion and i'll tell you what daniel was passionate would you not here's a man that wants to know what went wrong we've been in captivity for 70 years god the guys went back there in a bunch of lazy bums nobody even wants to go back here what's wrong passion and then he's fasting and praying for 21 days trying to get right that's passion but why was he like that now, by the way your answers are correct It's this simple. Daniel spent a lot of time with God. You want to become a Daniel? Spend a lot of time with God. That's in his word. Now remember, you know what the word did to Daniel? It drove him to pray. That's what prayer, oftentimes for me, I was reading the other night. and It was just one verse. I just read this verse and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to thank God for that. You see, that's what the Bible should do to us. As we spend time in the Word, it should drive us to prayer. When you go to prayer, you're spending time with God. The more you spend time in prayer with God, the more you want to read the Word. The more you read the Word, the more you want to pray, the more you want to talk to Him. In the middle of last night, 2 o'clock in the morning, I mean, I've got stuff. It's just you know, If you had those mornings at 2 o'clock in the morning, it was just, just heavy stuff. It's stuff that you want to fix, but you can't fix, and you don't know how to fix it. That's a good time to spend time with God. Because He's bigger. He's wiser. He knows all these ins and outs, Right? Now did they all get fixed? No, but I felt good that he was going to fix them, and I didn't have to. That's what spending time does with us, because we trust. Just as you said, Lois, we learn to trust God more, fear less, depend on Him when we spend time with God. That was Daniel's secret. Guarantee you, that's what happened to Daniel. How did he know the seventy years were? He spent time with God, digging through the scroll of Jeremiah, chapter twenty-five, verse Uh, twenty-nine. Chapter twenty-nine. He found out this is going to end. i got to pray about this. This is awesome. When are we going to get to go? You see what I'm saying? Spend time with God. The more time you spend with God, the bigger he becomes, the closer he is, and the more you learn to love him and his will for your life. That pretty well describes Daniel, doesn't it? Now, you ask a question. Did we answer it? No, very good. One more time. So under the resurrection, okay. the, the, the R's or the Jews. What were the I have A and D but I don't have C. This is under resurrection? Yep. Okay. Again we have two parts. Let me let me do this real quick. I think this will help. So we have two parts. We have A, which is the just and we have B, which would be unjust. So there's two parts, and this would be labeled resurrections. Am I on the right page? Oops. Resurrection. There's two R's, isn't there? Yeah, there we go. Looks so much better from back further. Okay. Now, the Bible talked about when we were there in, in uh, Revelation chapter 20, it says there's two resurrections, right? The first one is the just, the second one is the unjust. The unjust is where we're working backwards right now. The one you don't want to RSVP, remember what I said? That's that's the that's the end of the millennium, and that is Great White Throne Judgment. Wait, Great White Throne Judgment. Nobody that is there. They are, they are already doomed to be part of the unjust resurrection. Okay? Now there are three phases to the just. One of them is Jesus Christ. He was the first fruits. That was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. The second one was the resurrection, which we talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, which would be the resurrection of the church. Okay? The third one, which is the one that Daniel will be in, is the Old Testament saints. And the tribulation saints. This is, I mean, OT and TS. That's now those complete all of the just resurrections. The unjust takes place at the end of the millennium, and that is the great white throne judgment. Okay. Clear? Yep. Okay. Whew, you guys have been a very patient. Okay. Any other questions? Hearing none. How'd you guys like Daniel? It was the best for me going through. It was absolutely it was it was it was really it was good. It was good. Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for Daniel. Thank you for his steadfastness. Thank you for his uncompromising life. Thank you, Father, that he chose to spend time with you. Even when it wasn't convenient. He was a busy guy. He was literally at the top of the kingdoms in two different empires, which I'm sure he had to possibly be the only one that could have done that. But that was a man of integrity. He could be trusted. He could be counted on. Nobody had to wonder where Daniel was in the situation. Father, thank you for using him to write these words. Thank you for sealing it up. And, Father, there's things that we cannot be positive of or know for sure, but, Father, we know this much. We know that you were sovereign. We know you were in control. We know there's nothing that is impossible for you, And we know that history is literally your story that's foretold that cannot be changed. Revelation will happen. Daniel will finish out just exactly as you said, because you are sovereign. Father, I would pray for each one here today that their lives, their journeys, they've been born and they are here for such a time as this, just as was said by Mordecai to Esther. There are things, Father, that you want us to do. You have a journey step-by-step step that allows us to be part of the entire plan that you've laid out in the year 2021. Here we are. Guess what? The world still needs Jesus. Jesus saves. The world needs a savior. Jesus died. De- Jesus is available to the world. May we spread the message with our lives, with our testimonies, with our words, sharing, and caring for others. May our love, as Jesus said, they will know you are Christians, our followers, disciples of me by your love. Father, may we speak truth in love. May this week be honoring and fulfilling to you as we spend more time. May we make it a passion to spend more time with our Savior, our God, the one that saved us, the one of which Romans 8 is so clear. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. What a fantastic verse. We could go on and on, but, Father, we want to rest with this, knowing that you are completely in control. We are yours. Eternal life is ours because of the gift of Jesus Christ. Grace unfolded and flowering fully into the future forever because you are God, and you are God alone. We thank you, praise you, honor you, ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.